0: Hello, I'm Johnny Moore, and welcome to the Unhurried Moments podcast, a collection of stories of when our sense of time shifts, and in today's case, slows down agonisingly. Here's Jude Claiborne, a writer, performer, and coach. In
1: 2009, I started doing improv. And stand-up at the same time and I really loved doing stand-up and I started a night so that I could get people I could get stage time basically it's quite hard to get stage time when you're brand new because nobody wants to book you so I started a night which made me quite well connected with lots of people in the stand-up scene because everybody wanted a gig there was a guy that came who ran a big gig in Ealing where he got big names in and he called me once and said I've got a night running. I've got three male comedians. I need a female comedian to come and do a slot for me. One of the performers is Brendan Burns. Brendan Burns is like the physical embodiment of a Tasmanian devil with loads of energy, massively macho, really good at what he does, won the Perrier Award at least once, really successful. And he said, can you get somebody to come? And I asked around lots of female friends and they all said no. And I didn't know why. And I said, "Well, well, I can do it with no idea how that would be. And so I went on, he was headlining, but he headlined first. Normally the headliner goes last, but he was gonna go somewhere else. So everybody had come to see him. He did his set, which was half an hour of absolute magic and macho dynamism and confidence. And then I rock up on the stage in a little blouse. And I, I did a routine. That I really believed in, but wasn't particularly funny and was a bit out there and was a bit ranty. And every time I spoke, the whole audience just went, Ugh. Like everybody, there wasn't a single person on my side. And then there was this one woman in the middle who kept saying, Get off. Come on, just get off. And she was, she did it three or four times. In the end, I said, Madam there's nothing I'd like more than to get off the stage, but I've promised to do 10 minutes. So I wish I'd said strap in. I didn't say strap in. That came later in my memory, but just, you know, it's going to go on for a bit longer. And then there came a point about two minutes after that where I just thought, I can't do this. Somebody's going to hurt me in a minute. So I said, I think I've probably done enough. I think I'm going to leave now. And everybody went, yeah. And then they gave me a massive round of applause for leaving and that's the only time that they applauded. And then the compare, who's the guy that who who'd asked me to do this gig, who'd asked for somebody to come and do this gig, which he should have really said, I need a sacrificial lamb. And then at least I would have known. But he'd asked me, he came on as the compare and said, Oh my God. See, she was so shit, she made me look good. Which is as a compare, it's just not what you do. Your job as a compare is to to make the act give the act some nourishment and give the the audience some nourishment. And to be fair, it didn't go down well with him either because everybody was like, oh my God, she's, she's died already. You don't need to kill her corpse. There's no need for that. <laughs> and then I couldn't leave the building because I didn't know there was a back door, but I was trying to get out and I had my stuff in the middle of the back row and I couldn't get through all the people to get there. So I sat there in this seat, weeping quietly, surrounded by the people who wanted me to leave. And yet it, I came away from it and I was hurt and I was sad and all of these things. But it was one of the most intense experiences I'd had in a long time. And so it's a story that I've told. It's a, it's a memory that I've got now. It's It's kind of a thing.
0: Often when we hear stories like this, they're told in a jocular way. And the narrator tells us the redemptive lesson they've learned from the experience. But in Jude's case, you get the feeling that she is still making sense of this experience and relating it to the rest of her life. What
1: I've realised since becoming more aware of responses to trauma, especially to childhood trauma, is that people with early developmental trauma often become addicted to intensity. and, And because... Even though they didn't know it cognitively as a child, their day-to-day was intense and was intense in a survival way, that there was something in their psyche that believed that if they did something wrong, they would die because it's a child's mind that's thinking all of this. So there's a lot of research about mental health and stand-up, mental health and performance, but there's an element where I'm addicted to intensity You know, I love the idea. I love nothing more than going out onto a stage with lots of people not knowing what's going to come out of my mouth. It terrifies me, but I love it. And it's a real, it's a a kind of flavor of time that doesn't exist anywhere else. It only exists in that moment. And I don't even have memory of exactly what's happened. And that's how you know it's been good. So it's been really interesting for me to see that it might be a result of trauma or, or of traumatic Belief systems, but it's also something. It's one of the biggest joys that I have. There's a little dance with that about: Do I want to continue to get my joy from massive intensity? Is there a way to find joy in smaller things that's as pleasurable?
0: I like that these stories don't always have a definitive and happy ending; that the puzzling through continues. And I can easily relate to Jude's experience of intensity. You can find out more at the website unhurried.org. I've been Johnny Moore, and until the next time, thank you for listening.